0: Hey, and welcome to the Neurodivergent Musician podcast, where I explore the world of neurodiversity and musicianship. I'm your host, John Hart, along with Luna, my guitar, and today I'll be chatting about performing and dialogue in a gig situation. Each episode is broken up into a light format, where I'll share insights in the red section, improvised babble in the amber, and a recommendation you might find handy in the green. So let's head on over to the red section for more insights. So in this section we'll cover everything from setting up to sound check to engaging with fans after the show. So let's get started with the 10 points. So point one, understanding sensory overload. Neurodivergent individuals often experience sensory sensitivities, which can be heightened in performance settings. It's crucial to create a sensory-friendly environment. This might involve using noise-canceling headphones or finding a quiet space backstage where you can decompress if needed. Prioritize your comfort and well-being. Number two is script and dialogue between songs. Crafting a script for the dialogue between songs can be a powerful tool. This provides structure and reduces the anxiety that can come with spontaneous speaking. Remember, this script doesn't have to be rigid. It's a guide to ensure clear communication with the audience while allowing space for your authentic self to shine through. Number three is embracing non-traditional communication styles. Neurodivergent musicians often have a unique ways of communicating. This might involve using music itself as a form of expression or incorporating visual aids into your performance. Embrace these differences. They are part of what makes your performance special and authentic. Number four is utilizing visual cues. Visual cues can be invaluable for neurodivergent musicians on stage. Consider using cue cards or visual prompts to guide you through your performance. These cues serve as anchors, providing a sense of structure and confidence, even in the midst of the performance. Point five is setting up and sound checking. Before the performance, take the time to set up your equipment and go through sound check. This is your opportunity to ensure everything is in working order and that the sound is balanced to your liking. Having this process in place can provide a sense of control and ease any pre-performance jitters. Number six is navigating unpredictable environments. Live performances can be filled with unexpected moments. For neurodivergent musicians this can be particularly challenging. It's essential to have strategies in place to adapt to changes on the fly. This might involve deep breathing exercises or grounding techniques to help you stay centered and focused. Number seven is establishing a pre-performance routine. A pre-performance routine is like a roadmap to the stage. It can include a series of calming activities, such as mindfulness exercises or stretching, that can prepare both your body and mind for the performance. Having a structured routine can help elevate pre-show jitters. Eight is connecting with your audience. Building a connection with your audience is a cornerstone of any memorable performance. For neurodivergent musicians, this connection can be especially powerful. Find ways to engage with your audience that feel authentic to you. This could include making eye contact, sharing personal stories, or even using your music to convey emotion. Number nine is communicating with fans and your merch stand. After the performance, consider setting up a merch stand. This provides an opportunity to connect with fans and share your music in a tangible way. Remember to communicate openly and authentically with those who approach you. This can be a special moment for both you and your fans. And number 10 is reflecting and growing. After each performance, take the time to reflect on what went well and what could be improved. This process of self-reflection and growth is essential for any musician, neurodivergent or not. It allows you to continually refine your craft, ensure that each performance is a step forward in your musical journey. So that's it for the 10 points. Remember, being a neurodivergent musician is a unique and powerful journey. Embrace your authenticity and let your music speak for itself. So that's it for the red section. We're now going to go into the amber section for some improvised babble. See you then. Okay, so we're now into the Amber section and I'm gonna go through some improvised thoughts. And when I think about of the 10 points I've just said, and I think about performing, I think of dialogue, you know, I think obviously experience comes into it. The more you perform, the more you can start to work on lots of different areas, whether you're neurodivergent or not. You know, I think we can all have jitters. We can all have, you know, anxiety about different parts of the performance, whether it's when we're on stage or in a, you know, where we're just before stage or whether we're in the car on the way over to the gig, you know, or post gig, there's lots of different elements to it. And, you know, what I do is if I just go through each point, so point one was understanding sensory overload. Now, you know, I've turned up to certain venues before and, you know, they've got really heavy music going on. Maybe I've walked into a place and the lights are really bright or I've had one of those journeys on the way to, you know, certain gigs. Now, you know, I'm based in the UK and I'm not really a fan of playing London gigs. The reason is, is that if I take public transport up, I'm surrounded by lots of people i've got lots of gear with me you know it's my pedal it'll be my guitar it'll be all sorts and then i've got to then try and you know navigate uh, my journey i've got to try and you know keep my sensory overload at bay sometimes you feel like you're masking you're unmasking because you're in public and you're, you so it's, it's lots of things that you're just trying to weigh up which is in like a normal commute, a normal journey up to somewhere like London, which is just super busy, lots of people. And for, for a lot of neurodivergence, it can, it can be hell when you're going up to somewhere like that because it's just, it's crowded and so noisy. And so when I'm going to a gig as well, and you've got that anxiety built up, you've got that stress, and you've never been to the venue before, so you don't really know the surroundings and you turn up and then you're trying to wait for the sound guy and you're trying to do this. And I've never really been comfortable in performing because as a solo musician, as an independent musician, you've got to do everything yourself. And that's, you know, that's a given. But, I know, I know a lot of musicians have an entourage around them or they have people that can help them out with certain areas. And I need to have that going forward. I need that support network where if I'm so focused on the music, I'm going to forget to eat. I'm going to forget to drink. I'm going to forget to look after myself, which is so vital for me to be able to perform that I need to have this, you know, calm journey on the way up and even driving up to London. That's really stressful as well because driving in London is. Um, And unless you've got, lots of experiences for that you know you're in a black cab and you're doing a taxi driver or you you know whatever it is and you've commuted up there for years and years and years every single day then it's fine but for the person who's just going up there once a month or now and again it can be incredibly stressful so there's a lot of preparation i think that you've got to work out not only your travel not only you know what you're going to wear what you're going to do all these sort of things I also think about bef- even before I go on stage, what am I going to be saying? What am I going to doing? How is my sound check going to go? And I think visualizing all of that before you even go and you know step into right, I'm in gig mode is really really important. So I I have done things where I've got a pedal board. Now I have three pickups in my guitar. Uh, And that's to make the sound, you know, the sound of the guitar go from sort of mono to stereo. It has a really thick, rich sounding, you know, tone and volume and sound and things. And I do a lot of percussion, and all sorts of stuff as well. And if I go to a sound guy and they look at my guitar and they're like, oh, this is going to be easy, and then I go oh, I've got three pickups, you need to go mix these individually, and they don't mix it to how I like it, we're going to have conflicts, and I don't like confrontation. I don't, I don't want to have that conversation. So I've got, um, I've set up on my pedal board uh, a. I've got several pedals I've got one with vocal harmony but I've got a digital mixer which is one of the Bose ones that you use for a PA and it has four channels on it so I put all my three pickups into there and I do some EQ on the on the mixer and then it has one master out so when I turn up to these shows what I've done is I've I've plugged in all the settings into my pedals and things so the important thing for that is, is that I get the exact sound that I want from my monitor and then they can just, you know, mask whatever they like on the, on the main speakers, which I'm not going to hear. And this has been so handy. You know, i I did, I remember doing one gig up in Scotland at Paul Qatar festival and I was co-headlining on one of the nights with uh, a fingerstyle legend, Preston Reed. And I remember it vividly. We were supposed to have 30 minutes sound check each. And Preston went first and he did that, but he's very, very tall. And, you know, he was on stage and the lights were sort of pointing downwards, but he wasn't able to see his guitar. And at the end of 30 minutes, he was like, Can someone get me a desk lamp so I can actually see what I'm playing? And then people started looking around for a desk lamp after this 30 minutes and he was still on stage and it was eaten into my sound check time. And then people started coming at the door and I was just like, I, I literally flown in that late afternoon. I took an hour, that was in Inverness. And then I got an hour and a half car journey all the way to Ullapool. So I sort of turned up like Fresh from traveling into like I'm gonna do this headline gig you know in hindsight i would have you know stayed over the night before, rested all sort of stuff as well been relaxed so it was, it was such a whirlwind and then there was all these legends there as well and of, of accused guitarists and they were all going to be in the audience watching and so it was just like this is such a whirlwind but anyway, but then with this sound check, it then meant that i only had 5 minutes left i had 5 10 minutes to sound check and i was just like shit like people were knocking at the door and then they were like are you have you sound checked i like, no 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 cuz preston's trying to sort out this and everything as well and you know no one wants to be confrontation no one wants to you know rub each other up the, other, the wrong way i understood what preston needed but at the same time i was like i've i've got to go on stage so the greatest thing is is that when I plugged in, because I did all my, my preset settings with EQs and everything in my pedals at home, I did all the geeky stuff. As soon as I set up and plugged in, I then put in my jack lead on the, uh, the master output into, you know, the DI and the sound guy then did the sound check in five minutes. And he was like, mate, that, that's incredible. How the how do you get that sound out of what you've created and you've done it in minutes? It's because I've built it in a way that I can plug in and play because I've had so many plug in and play gigs that if you're not prepared for that, I never turn up to a gig now thinking that I'm going to have longer than 10 minutes because of that Alapool Guitar festival situation, which means that I've got, you know, I don't want to be on stage for longer than 10 minutes. I'm not one of those finger style guitarists or musicians that can be there for half an hour, an hour. I just I, I hate it. Um I want to go on stage, do a little sound check and get off as soon as possible. Yeah, I want to get the sound I want, but that's why I want to do all the geeky stuff at home and get all my settings, get all my leads checked, get an, a little SOS bag where it's basically it's like a, you know, a toiletry bag where I put like little mini deodorant like um, hair wax or or plasters or whatever it is a little tiny bottle of water and you know some chewing gum some something i've got um volta on there you know whatever it is and I, I throw that into the bag because you never know it's one of those that you're just like i don't want to be rushing out and getting you know nine volt batteries and i don't want to be going out getting extra picks and everything as well i want to have an sos bag that has everything i need in it and that's experience after loads of gigs so when you go and you know do these gigs where i've literally got five minutes sound check i mean that's stressful and obviously as a neurodivergent as well it can be incredibly stressful and anxious but i was you know i was quietly confident because i did already did the prep work it's like a chef was like, oh, I can cook up this meal in no time because I've done all the prep work. It's all laid out in front of me. And actually I had uh, one of the guitarists uh, come up to me after my performance saying, do you know what? That was the best sound of the whole weekend. I was like, that's that's an amazing compliment because you know it, it basically has appreciation of the prep time that I've put into it. And a lot of other guitarists have had loads more time to sound check. And then I had lots of people buy my CDs and that is always a good sign because people have obviously connected what I've done and the sound has been there. And not only guitar wise, but vocally and everything just sounds like a one man band sort of sound. And I've sort of moved forward this with this get as much prep done at home so i do all my dialogue at home so when we're talking about script and dialogue between songs so vital your whole show is a story you know or your whole show is you know if you went to go to the cinema and then they did a little act and then they someone came on and it was just like oh we just have to quickly like tune up you know the the gear, and then they start going um ah uh, ah, uh, and then they put the second act of the film on. Everybody be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" The same with theatre and stuff. This is what's going to be the same with gigs. Most people focus so much on their music that they forget that the craft includes dialogue between songs. And the way I've been able to master that is, you you hear the clapping as soon as you finish your song, and whilst they're clapping. I start to maybe retune. I like do one of the strings or two of the strings. As soon as the clapping dies down, I've already tuned two strings. Then I start talking a little bit. Then I tune a a string. Then I talk a little bit more, maybe adding a little joke, you know, and there's a formula that you can work through for every single song. And you want to have a little backstory, but you want that backstory to either, you want it to invoke an emotion. So it can do with, I, I like to pit send people, like, it can be sad and then it can be happy. So you can crack a joke or whatever it is. And you want people to know that that's what that song was about before. And now we're transitioning into this song, which is kind of linked into what I do and breaking down what you do as well. Breaking down your craft, breaking down the songwriting, breaking down, you know, I've got a merch stand over there and I've got kids to feed. So, you know, if anything you can help me, like I do it in a, in a jokey way and people appreciate that because you're not just like a salesman. You're not just saying, Oh yeah, I've got a website and a social media, go and check us out or whatever it is. You, you've got to weave it in where it's strategic and, and, and fits with you authentically. It doesn't have to be rigid. You can, you can have these things in place and, you know, sometimes I've learned things off by heart. Sometimes I've learned the jokes off by heart. There are some comedians out there who do the same jokes of every gig because they know they are, they've are they turned into classics and people want to hear them every time. And I've got one, you know, I, I left the Isle of Wight to go and live in London and I sort of make the joke of that's like leaving the Shire for Mordor, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of really sort of speaking, the London Eye is like, uh, Sauron, blah, 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 all sorts of stuff as well. And that gets a little laugh. And then when I break down my track of money into all of its layers, so I'm going to play the cash registers on my right hand. I'm going to play the bass line with my left. I'm going to bring in the Hammond organ with this part. And then I'm going to bring in the beat. Then I'm going to bring in the vocal over the top. I'm going to try and do all of this without looking like I'm crapping myself or I'm like this and stuff. It, it, it's something that I've carved out and it gets a little, you know, it makes people happy. And you're pre-framing people for your songs. You're not just like, oh, I just wrote this one, just let me know what you think. Or, um, uh, yeah, so this track is about this and uh yeah, this is what it sounds like. It's just so like I've been there. You want to be a captivating. So when I've got a little mini solo in the middle of my songs, I don't just stand there. I now walk to the edge of the stage. I walk from side to side or whatever it is. And you want to capture that magic as best as you can, but the magic only comes through with authenticity. And I feel that I can't put a mask on uh, when I go on stage. I've got to be the same person I am off stage and on stage. Because people are like, he's just the same guy. He's not doing, you know, he's not pretending to be anyone else. And so that, that that's when it gets into music as well. You want to, I don't introduce myself when I go on stage. I don't talk about anything. I start off with my track Wind Chime. Now, the reason why I start off with that is because people are immersed immediately into a track that has, that's completely different to what everyone else plays, whether it's a band, a duo or solo artist that I found because I play my strings behind uh the nut of my guitar around the headstock and they all they all sound like wind chimes and then they hear the wind chime and then I start then slapping and then tapping my guitar and then it layers up and builds up and then has vocal harmony and delayed vocal harmony and then it goes into this sort of whole progressive thing. And that is my best way to introduce myself let the music speak for itself and at the end of it everyone's like whoa okay i'm now i'm now going to listen you know you've got my attention where are we going with this and then i go into something a bit softer and you want to play with your tracks i don't do the same sort of style of track back to back so i wouldn't do a strummy singy thing back to back i wouldn't do two looping tracks back to back i wouldn't do two finger style percussion ones I go from like modern finger style, which is percussion and singing, to then traditional finger style, which is kind of folky. And I play with the, you know, from upbeat to mellow to, you know, solo guitar to cover to whatever it is. And it feels like a show. But the dialogue obviously is stitching everything together as well. And, you know, I've I've got this crazy idea. And this is where I'm like, yeah, I'm neurodivergent. I've got ADHD but I've not been able to bring it to reality yet because it's so fricking hard to do. And the idea is, is that I come on stage with no strings on my guitar and I got a loop pedal embedded into my harmony pedal. And I've got this little new string winder thing called Rody and it can be a string winder. It can also tune up the strings and stretch them and sort of stuff. My idea is that I want to come on stage with no strings And then I want to restring the first string. So that'd be the sixth string. So it would be the the, the bass string, the the, the E. I want to string it up, you know, and then I want to play bass line and I want to loop that. So basically I'd start with like a drum beat and I can use the fretboard as like a little guero because it's got no strings on it. And then, um, yeah, then I do the bass line and then I then restring the second string and then I bring in a second line and then the third string and so on and so on. It, it layer up this sort of really intricate song of lots of different parts and I'm singing over the top of it whilst I'm restringing all that sort of stuff as well. <laughs> this track is like 15 minutes in the, at the moment. And I've got like tons of packs of strings and I'm not brought to reality and it's called Strung Up. But it, it, it's also like, Super anxiety, super stressful, and everything as well. I'm like, why are you doing this? But you know, that's not coming to fruition. That's not reality yet. But what it's doing is just when we talk about like visuals and other things, people be like, why he's turned up with a guitar with no strings. And I'm sort of thinking I wouldn't probably do it on my best guitar. I'd probably do it on an older guitar, but. It's, it's just another thing. I don't want it to be gimmicky. I don't want it to be anything like that. I want it to actually have a really awesome song, but it's going to take some time. But these things that you want to think about all the time, and you might have visuals that you go on stage or some things that you can introduce. You could do magic tricks in between your songs. I mean, that'd be amazing. I want to go out as a, the neurodivergent musician. So I want to do songs and then I want to do speaking in between. And, you know, this is the same with visual cues and stuff as well you know you can bring an ipad on stage if you want to you can have sort of certain things where you could have uh, a blank um, a sheet which will have your set list and stuff as well and you can color code it you could put highlighters you could do all sorts of things highlight different words whatever it is that helps you with structuring and keeps you grounded and you know it helps the sound guy as well because they probably see the same musicians all the time. So if you can go there with some sort of distinction, some unique side of it, and you're super friendly, but you're super professional and really great at what you do, you know, you're going to get called back to do lots of things uh, more often. So sort of thinking about these other cues, you know, other points here, we've got utilizing visual cues, you've got setting up and sound check, navigating unpredictable environments. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing when you're on stage in you know, like, depending on what stage you've got, I've been in pubs, I've been in festivals and sometimes things can be hit and miss. Sometimes, you know, right, you're turning up and you're like, yep, yeah, I've got this down. And when I'm performing, I, I also try to give myself space. If I've got songs that are constantly upbeat and it's got lots of technical stuff, I'm in my head. That's why I need to have some other softer songs to sort of calm myself down. And I have some songs that I sustain a chord and I deliberately sustain the chord for as long as possible. So I can it's almost like that breathing. And you can just hear the fizz in the monitors. You can hear sort of shuffling in seats. I sometimes look it out, look out, but it depends if I see family and friends and it depends on how technical the track is as well. But this is from a solo musician, but I used to be in bands and I used to I used to love the bands because, you know, you would connect with each other at the same time. So uh, there's obviously a massive difference between doing bands and solo gigs because with a band, if you mess up, someone else can take over and carry on with it. But if you mess up as a solo musician, you've, you've got to accept that you've messed up. I've had things where strings snapped on stage before. And then I'm like, right, we're now going to go into a, a string changing uh, workshop and I'm going to teach you how to do this. And again, it's just like off the fly, working it out how it's going to do it, because you never know what's going to happen. And it's like technical stuff. Things can cut out technology, batteries can die, even with the preparation technology it's like phones you want to go and show someone something and then you get the buffer wheel or your phone dies or it's just crashes it's just freeze you know freezes and doesn't work same with the performance um you can be having the best time and then something can kick into your brain or you can have an intrusive thought right in the middle of a song and i remember tommy manuel talking about trying to keep focus i think it was tommy manuel and he was like, you've got to keep, stay focused. Otherwise you start thinking about, oh, have I put the washing on? Or have I done this? Have I done, you know, what am I going to have for eat tonight? And those sort of thoughts come very quickly, especially with ADHD, oh my days, you can be like bouncing all over the place. You can be playing, you look up and you see a light or you see a little light on the monitor or something like that. And then you're like, Oh, one of that why are that lights on there? Oh, oh look, look at the dust from the, the light there. Oh yeah, why is that going down there? Oh hang on a minute, shit, I'm in I'm in the middle of a gig here. So trying to keep grounded and in, in in the moment is is tricky as well. But obviously, you know, even before that, you want to be mastering your songs. And the best way, like I was talking about the recording, is you want to emulate the performance situation. You want to film yourself as much as possible so you can emulate the tension that you get. You want to be able to, you know, I I put a guitar strap on my guitar and I go wandering around the garden. So I'm standing up. You've got to decide whether you're going to be on a stool or if you're going to be standing up. And standing up allows you to be a bit more free. And, you know, even before performing, I remember the, the, the hardest places that I found were the green room and other people doing sound checks. Because, especially if their friends as well, because you're like, you want to support them, but you're like, oh, uh, I'm not I'm not in the right mode now. I need to go and take myself to a dark place. And this is where a lot of people go, why, you know, sometimes I go to the toilet a lot and it's not necessarily just to go to the toilet, it's just to go and take a break. And that's where someone won't disturb me. Um, and, you know, back in the day, if I used to smoke back in the day, I would go and do that, but obviously it affects vocals and things. But yeah, I think it's just trying to navigate where, you know, the best things, and this is the same with like, once you've done, you've got pre-performance where you're trying to do your sound check, you're trying to like connect with the sound guys, connect with the venue guy, trying to do the tickets. Oh my goodness. Ticketing. It's the worst thing in the world. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Music business is essential, but trying to get people to your gigs that the word try is there, you know, and this is where you start, you know, things, these intrusive thoughts start creeping in where I'm like, oh, I'm over the hill. Oh, I'm never going to be able to sell out a venue because no one likes the shit I do. And you start getting RSD, you start going into these modes and, you know, even some like family and friends just don't come to gigs anymore because you've been doing it for so long and they've come to so many gigs and you haven't hit the next level. And, you know, I'm closing on 40, blah, blah, blah. And so now it's just like, you know, there there feels like a, an invisible conversation of, you, you know, surely you're old enough now. You should be doing something, a real job or whatever it is. And, you know, I mean, that's bullshit to me. But there is that sort of line of it where back in the day, maybe when I was starting out on this journey, it was people were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we we'll definitely come out," and every everyone's life changes, and and you know also people move into different parts of their life and all sorts of stuff. But it it does it is too hard when people no no one really wants to. Come to your gigs as much anymore, and this is not everyone by the way there's there's a select few, a core lot who have been coming to every gig, and I'm so grateful and appreciative of of them. you know who you are but there there are other sort of times where yeah you'll feel like you're drawing blood out of a stone, but that's why you know that's why I've kept going because the thing is though I've got the capability and you can you can work out two ways, especially with performing when you're doing gigs and stuff as well. If one person turns up and they love what you do, you you never know, that can open up so many doors. So that's why you got to treat your gigs like they're your last or they're your first. Like it's got to be super buzzy. And I, I've now started to ditch ticketed gigs for now so I can start to build up an audience again. My idea is I I'd, I'd love to get A gig where i turn up and it's filled with neurodivergence or neurodivergent musicians and there's one artist called rory um adhd love couple and i I, you know i keep on their socials go and check out their book dirty laundry really really great and i remember she's sharing a story about before she started bringing out the channel about adhd love She was struggling as a music artist and she was struggling with her mental health, struggling lots of things. And then she built up the ADHD uh, love uh, Instagram page along with her partner. And she built up a community filled with people with ADHD and her music act then grew because... Everything she was writing was also related to ADHD and lots of other things. And the people who were connecting to that channel were connecting to her music. And so she she sold out a UK tour, I think last year or whatever it was, which is incredible. And it's like you see the story arc of someone like that. And I'm really inspired by, by someone like Rory and everything she's gone through and everything she's doing now. I don't know her personally, but you can just see it online. And that's the beauty of the internet and i i now know when she's doing her performances with those group of people who really they're not just there because to support the person they're there because they want to support the message and support the mission and and the person at the same time and it all connects together beautifully and I guarantee, because she's gone through that hard graft of doing like those tight ty- those those gigs before where she was struggling to get people whatever it was, or like any traction or any momentum, to now where she's getting sold out gigs, that's where that's where you're like, I'm so glad I, I carried on and I didn't give up. And that's what I feel as a musician. You know, I'm I'm doing this podcast, I'm doing the album, I'm doing lots of other stuff, and I'm still performing but I still try and turn up to a gig and make it my best, you know, and I have a core fan base that turns up to my gigs and probably a core fan base of, you know, they're like 10 who turn up all the time and I'm so appreciative and I do the same, you know, they've seen the same show, but, you know, I try and put on my best as much as possible, but not just for me, but for them, I would love to go and get one day where it's like a venue or a gig where it's completely sold out with hundreds of people. And they're like, do you know what? I was there right at the bottom, right at the start of this journey. And we have done this all together. And I think that's what building up a fan base takes a little while. You've got to try and navigate those waters. You've got to try and find a way. But that's why like when i talk about composing and recording it's all got to be geared to the heart same same with performing and the same with you know dialogue and everything all of it is connected together from writing composing to recording mixing mastering to releasing online to filming to editing to performing dialogue networking social media all of it has got to be connected to the heart if it's all head which yes, we've got to do that with business, with finances, but even with finances, I'm starting to get to a point now where I'm 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 learning something called about wealth creation all sort of stuff as well. That connects with the heart and not the head. If I can connect with the heart with everything, then it it will last forever. It's a long game because there's short game wins, you know, you can do performances. But if you go into the performance thing, oh, I'm going to do this performance because I'm going to be able to meet this person It's going to be able to help me do this. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. You've got to turn up because you want to just perform because that's your energy. And if someone's there to watch you, then great, that's a bonus. But that's not the whole point of it. So anyway, that is it for the amber section. I'm now going to go into the green section for a quick recommendation. See you then. Okay, so we're now into the green section. I'm going to go for a quick recommendation. I've given you lots of recommendations, little ones. So sort of just weave them together. But if we talk about pre and during and post in regards to your performance, pre-performance tip is get your gear in check. So take control of your your sound. So if rather than letting the sound guy, you know, get the EQ and 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 all that sort of stuff as well and reverb, et cetera, invest in a way or, you know, in some gear and, and a pedal board that will allow you to do it yourself. And then you can just plug in and then they can mask it. The sound guy will be so appreciative and you will know exactly what you will get through your monitor now also you can turn up with your own amp and then you can have obviously feed that out to the speakers and stuff as well and then so get the the settings on your amp or your pedals or whatever it is on your guitar get it all in check first and then you will know the more gigs that you do you're like these are my settings it's the same with the recording you know the more recording you do you've got your mixing presets and everything as well i'm not having to send it on to anyone else All the sound guy will have to do is just turn up and then maybe add on a bit of, you know, uh, master EQ or whatever it is. And then also think about, you know, obviously what you're wearing. Keep it like this is this is my dress code every single gig. I've now got trainers specifically for gigs, you know, black sort of trainers. Uh, And then I've got black jeans and I might wear blue jeans, but then I've got two or three shirts. That's what I use for my gigs. my gig wear so i know when i change into it right i'm into gig mode and then you might want to get a little sos bag it's like a pencil case just for filled with lots of bits and bobs that you could pop into a bag depending if you're on like public transport it's just something you can slot into your gig bag whatever it is just think about that sort of style think about the essentials that you would need that you don't have to hop out to the shop for so that's and then pre obviously when you're sound checking you're turning up And make sure you're meticulous about your, the way you sound check. And then when you're feeding like one lead into the other, make it really therapeutic. I know it sounds really woo woo, but like if you're meditative, like with the way that you're like, right, plugging this in here and this in here, and it becomes a little process. You can shut everyone out and you can like, right. I'm in my mode now, you know. I've actually got um, like a doormat now that I stick under my... I've got one pedal that I use for my gigs because when I go and put sometimes on like dirty, dusty floors and all sorts sort of stuff as well, I'm like, I, I, all my cables get dusty and dirty and I don't like that. So I like to have something underneath my pedals and, you know, you can get a small rug or whatever it is, you know, um, that you can add to make you feel comfortable. You can even get a big one if you want to, that you can stand on. It's entirely up to you because I know some uh, musicians like bare feet. Again, it's all subjective. And then when it comes to your performance and you're in the green room, what I tend to like to do in the green room actually, I use different tunings. Now, this is not the same for all musicians, but what I like to do is I stay in one tuning, but I, I tend to like practice all of the hard bits of my songs over and over. I won't change tuning because all it is is muscle memory. It's, no, it's visualising where everything is. So it will sound absolutely horrendous for, for you know, some songs in a different tuning. But again, it's just visualisation. It's just getting there. And I do, all, I stitch all of those sort of highlights, the hard highlights of songs back to back. So I just practice them back to back as much as possible. I go into my vocal warm-up. I like to hum first. I do a little Man stretch where I stretch out my... Arm and then put my hand up against the wall and then twist and then you know do, maybe do a vocal octave uh, up and down twist my hand 90 degrees and so on and so on and so that sort of wakes my arms up a little bit so you can kind of get into like your your routine in the green room now it's different obviously if there's other people there they start chatting to you um, because they'll be nervous as well but just try and stick to the things that you do uh, when i'm vocally warming up i like just go to the toilet, whatever it is, because I just feel it's more private there. <laughs> Different situations. You might go outside if you've got time to do it. You might go to the car, wherever you want to. And then when you go on stage, again, I, you know, I always sort of feel going straight into music is a great way to start without introducing. And that's why I like to start with a powerful track like wind chime. And then think about the dynamics of your songs. And that's that will weave into your dialogue. When are you going to crack some jokes? When are you going to bring in about your merch? When are you going to maybe educate? You can entertain, you can educate and execute. That's a really good three-way process. So, you know, entertaining is talking about the jokes and talking about stories and things as well. Educating is about, well, my merch stand is over there. And then, uh, sorry, educating is you know, talking about your tracks, breaking down your songwriting process, breaking down some layers of whatever you do. And then execute is like, you know, call to actions. Well, can you go and check out my merch down here? I've got this going on here. You can go to my website. I've got business cards I've put on all the tables. So you can come and, you know, share a video, use this hashtag, whatever you want uh, and weave them in. Don't sort of feel that it has to be sousy. But, you you know, you could make it kind of like spam train or whatever it is. So that's during your performance. And just make sure you try and take it in and enjoy it because, you know, life's too short. It really is. And you want to make it your first and last, you know, gig every single time. And then the, the post gig is... Always be at the merch stand. Don't let someone else do it. Maybe someone like in between the breaks or if they're coming up to you when you're in the green room, but afterwards you've got to be there in person. And there's neurodivergence is really hard because we, we you know, looking people in, you know, eye contact or communication, small talk, all of this sort of stuff is, is hard. But most of the time people come up and, and talk to you about your music. And that's really easy to talk about because you've been through the whole creation process. And if they ask you about conversations about, you know, guitar or they might ask you about, you know, lessons or whatever it is and stuff. This is where you got your website and this is where your website's really important. And I'll go into another episode about sort of that online business, setting up a website because it's it's a hub for everything that you need to. And you can go, well, just go to johnhartmusic.com. Boom. It's got everything there on the homepage. it tell you all these things and then get in contact. And then some people might go, oh, I'm putting on a party for this date and just wondering if you're available and what your rates are I'm like uh, to be honest I'm going to forget everything right now because of my neurodivergent brain just go and check out my website and pop us an inquiry so then I can have a look through it and then we can chat tomorrow they're like yeah sounds great and it also means I can avoid the price conversation because it's on my website there for a reason so I don't have to deal with confrontation and then just shaking people's hands making them feel welcome thanking them for coming go round every single person and thank them for coming it it's it's not hard you know and you don't feel like oh i'm the artist i shouldn't have to do that thank everybody they're there for a reason they're there to support you and if they can go on your main list great but One way I've actually got people to go on my main list is like, well, you can go to my website. I've got a free four track EP that you can sign up for and they subscribe. And then I've got like emails that come out automatically for that free EP. That's the best way to get them on the main list. They've already got access to the digital stuff rather than just writing them down on paper. Do it the way you want to do it. You can set up with an iPad. The other thing is thank the sound guy. Thank the venue manager then put up photos and videos on online thanking the venue you know and them supporting you and then obviously sort out the business stuff wherever it is and stuff as well but the key thing is is that don't be a knob (laughs) don't don't be pretentious Don't let the ego take over and you're like, oh, I'm the musician. I know I can't do all this. I can't talk to these people, blah, 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 blah. Even if you're nervous, it's essential because you're not just a music artist, you're a music business at the same time. You want to be coming back. You want people to remember you. And the best way they remember you is not just your music, is that handshake and those little tiny chats that you have at the end. I've had students turn up to my gigs. I've had family turn up to my gigs And recently I've been breaking down about the neurodiversity and mental health and all these sort of stuff as well. And they can see the resilience and strength and some people share their stories themselves. You know, I wrote a song called Father about my father and people come up to me like they've lost their father. And so they they say it, it resonates with them. They want to thank me. And then we just have a conversation and we're equals. Everyone is equal. No one is caressing each other's ego or whatever it is. We're not putting on pedestals and if if that is and if there's musicians and you know maybe you're like oh this is my hero my music hero and legend but you turn up and they're they're arrogant as hell and stuff as well and you're like there's a disconnect between their music and their personality and the person they are and the character and maybe they've lost themselves and the thing is is that i think we all need to ground ourselves and that's why i think because i maybe have not made it to the 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 you know the ultimate level as a musician if you think you think a mainstream world um and i'm still going i'm still churning away in things it's grounded me and i think everything that's happened to me over the last few years has grounded me and allowed me to work on myself internally and just like do you know what We're, we're all in this together so if you are a musician if you're a neurodivergent musician and you you know you need help with any of this any support of this any advice please just go to johnhartmusic.com, j-o-n-h-a-r-t music.com pop us an email let us know about the podcast let us know what you're doing you know i've had a few emails and they're not just musicians they're creatives artists just let us know what you're doing and if you need any support or advice or you just want to have a chat let us know also got the facebook group which is the neurodivergent musicians it's very slow builder and um you know I don't know. <laughs> it might work. I might not be as active in there as well. I need some help with that. Uh, but if, if also, if you are someone that is really good with online stuff, like, you know, I'd love to set up a discord community for, you know, I know ADHD adults, they've, they've got amazing community with that I don't even know where to start with it and also maintaining a Facebook group, maybe helping me out with it or or sp- helping me spread the word with it. Or if you know a guest or if you whatever it is please just get in contact and let me know what you think. You can also head on over to Spotify now because I've moved over to Spotify for podcasters. And on each episode, there's a little Q&A. So I've put on like, what's your experience with recording and mixing? What's your experience with RSD? And you can answer the question. There's also polls in there now. Um, I also got a little subscription thing for some bonus material if you want to help me keep the podcast going. Just doing this off my own back uh when i got time i do it i bring out the main episode once a week on a monday or tuesday depending on how i feel or depending on how you know I, you know if i've got it done in time and then i bring out a little highlight for those people on the go of old episodes on fridays and then the bonus ones comes out like every 2 weeks as part of the subscription so anyway waffling now and i'm getting into the 40 minute mark so thank you so much for listening and i look forward to speaking to you in the next episode cheers take care Bye-bye.